to Dave Hill's podcasting incident with me, Dave Hill, the pride of Cleveland and beyond. Uh, I, uh, I got, I got, I, I did find a, a flyer on the ground the other day. That's all I got. Anyway, hi, how are you? I'm uh, losing my mind. Chris, how are you doing? We have Chris from Parts Unknown. Well, you're not from Parts Unknown, but you're. Uh, yeah. I'm in Ohio presently. I'm doing, in exile. I'm doing well. Uh, you know, can't complain. Nice. There's been a few moments over the past couple of weeks where I was at my wit's end, but you know, whatever. I'm I'm at my wit's end roughly easily a third of the day <laughs> <laughs> for various reasons. But I feel like I'm on an I'm on an upswing. I'm on an upswing. I've been finding um, myself like without even like any kind of warning like just debating with my wife about stuff that we both agree about <laughs> it's like oh well that's because you have no one you yeah. don't have anyone to sh- shout at you know yeah on the street but no those times will be back yeah can't wait um before we forget lest we forget uh last week we kind of took the week off but um and you know and and we put uh a call out for listeners to uh, donate if they can uh, to Black Visions Collective, and uh, we got a lot of nice donations, and uh, they were sent to Black Visions Collective on behalf of this show and its listeners. So right now, we want to thank uh, the generous listeners who contributed. They are Thomas Lewis. Thank you so much, uh, Tim Cants. Thank you so much. Joseph Miota, thank you very kindly. Aaron Dawson and Lynette Wong. Thank you to all of you uh, for um, making those contributions and, and rest assured they I sent them to Black Visions Collective. Uh, so thank you for helping a great organization and if you're anyone else listening if you want to uh look up black visions collective and go ahead and and uh you can donate yourself over there anytime yeah they're really doing a lot of great work um, absolutely with all the uh, organizing of the protests around the country Mm -hmm. and everything so yeah really great cause totally great cause um and so should we just get into the episode now yeah so, uh, this past Monday on the Gosh Darn Dave Hill Show, formerly known as the Goddamn Dave Hill Show on WFMU, and then sometimes still known as the Goddamn Dave Hill Show that we've been doing on the Facebook page for the show and also at twitch.com. Some, it's going to take some time. It's like when they rename a bridge. Uh, yeah. No, it's, no one people calls it the RFK bridge still. And people drive into the water sometimes. Sometimes. By accident. But, um... Anyway, this past week we had uh, my dear friend Shanali Bomick on, and she's she's amazing always. And and so I thought, hey, we want to chat some more. So uh, we had her on on Dave Hill's podcasting incident today. She is in New York holding it down, and uh, we chatted with her. We had a delightful conversation. Didn't even get into. We're gonna have her back soon because we didn't even scratch the surface. See, this is you know this is why. Uh, you know, it's always the onion and the ointment mm-hmm. phrase I learned from Janine Garofalo. Uh, 
is is it's hard for me to stay on i i digress and uh and then i fall into some story about myself always i'm worst <laughs> worst dinner guest ever but uh well, as, but we had as those, you would say that's why we're number one in our time slot that's why when people come here for that they're like how is how is dave gonna ruin this one um anyway so we didn't get into even half the stuff i was hoping so she'll be back soon but we did get into a lot of amazing stuff and uh i'm just i don't know if there's a spoiler alert or not but she met sean cassidy i'll just i'll tell you that that's what's waiting for you uh later in this conversation but here now is our delightful conversation with comedian musician actress activist and so much more shanali bomick uh lead singer and uh front person for the great band tigers and monkeys and uh and you know i could go on and on but let's get into it here it is okay i just had to take the headphones out i don't know that might have something to do with the three dollar headphones i'll turn you down in my so i don't hear you in my recording okay okay it's probably it's okay you know people people are forgiving people about people quality. people understand this is not the slickest operation in the podcast <laughs> universe we're for a, we're a, for a select few an elite global audience that's uh you know that tolerates uh <laughs> this sort of thing for the the, the quality I mean, look at a, look at all all of our seating like we're all seated in like really comfortable cool looking yeah. furniture that's true yeah like right well yeah i'm i'm i wanted to apologize well first of all I, I, backing up thank you <laughs> shanali so much for joining us today thank you dave now to address the seating i wanted to say that i am self-conscious uh the listener can't see this but i'm have i'm sitting in a chair an armchair i guess with uh the computer in my lap at a very unflattering angle <laughs> and 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 in front of a window so yeah it's really the whole thing is and i've just come yeah. from a run and i haven't showered in a few days so uh, but that's why i have the the um <laughs> the cord to create a sort of jawline. I have it under my neck to create a fault. <laughs> jawline. Works. You look fantastic. You always look fantastic. Oh, Dave. you always look fantastic. Uh, the, the jawline is accentuated by the strap around your neck. It's, I do. It's a, I, I, it's a, a good look. It's a cheat that I've learned in this zooming age we live in now. <laughs> try it. I'm gonna try. Works it. with a beard too. Yeah, yeah you kind of like yeah. turn it so it creates. I've actually thought I I don't think I'll ever give in to the beard life. I think I'm genetically out of. I don't think it'll work for me. Do you, you have a baby face? Like, can you grow a beard? I can. I've I grew it not to get go just straight to Hollywood uh, chat, but uh. I grew, I was asked to grow as much facial hair as possible for a movie. And I grew, I tried with all of my might. And then I even dyed it 
to get make it seem as fierce as possible. And if you when you see this movie, it's called Drunk Bus, and it's a very good, it's a great movie. I can't wait to see this. And um, it stars. It, there's actual actors in it. They didn't just let. I'm the only riffraff that got let into the movie. I think, but um, but when you see the movie, you will. Th- I look like probably Chris or your husband Jasper look after they shaved 45 minutes ago. <laughs> like I do not, and it's like a month of facial hair. That's so funny. I mean. Yeah, you look good. You don't need a beard. I, don't, I think I don't think I am not. I don't, you know. Yeah. Did you guys catch that? Those legs. I, I, I mean, it. I know we're this is an audio podcast, but this man he wears donut shorts. Oh, those are strong. Is <laughs> now before we uh, started recording. Yeah. There was ta- sandwich. He's your husband is going to go out yes. and get sandwiches. Will he wear the donut shorts to the sandwich he, concern? He, see, good question. This is a good question because initially when he bought these shorts, he bought those and another pair and he treats them as shorts, but they're swimming trunks. Oh, that. And you may, you both may have noticed, known that, but that's a life hack. Though. It was a conversation that we had. And then, he wears them as shorts. So, okay. That's what I do. Do you? I, I've had this, we've probably discussed this on this program. Uh, I do not own shorts as a statement of uh, how to be a grown man. And I do own two uh, bathing suits, swim trunks, Bathing suits. That is, I like that. And Men I, wear bathing suits. I have one of them, Not again, not to go straight to show business, one of them was bought for me for a television program that I was shooting and required to wear swim trunks. <laughs> and so I still have those. I should probably eBay them for the, the show business uh, quality they have. But then, and then I have another bathing suit I bought in Italy. But Dave, you know, you run, you're really healthy. Super healthy. Yeah. <laughs> I assume you have nice legs. I have not seen them. You never will. You never, unless, you know, unless we go swimming, which I'm open to. Someday we got to do it. Yeah. I mean, if you, you know, I mean, I say flaunt it while you still got it, you know, uh, it's, it's a thing. No, I'm sure I, you've heard of it I, I just went for a killer run and I wear, track pants as a point of uh even in the summertime i make here's my thing i've i i always invoke todd berry because we're the same in this i was gonna bring him up when we were talking about beards so that's another we'll we'll go back to that anyway neither one of us wear shorts the reason being and i feel like you can appreciate this is it's not rock and roll that's true that is true. Like Marcellus Hall, which you know, he's very rock and roll. He will never wear the shorts. More, oh. The more pockets wears- on a pair of shorts is brings you down another step in your rock and roll. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And then, you know, not to poke holes in this whole thing, but when Lou Reed was alive, I we lived near each other and I would see him. 
often wearing shorts and I always wanted to be like, Lou, of all people, you should Oh my not. God, you just destroyed my image of Lou Reed. I cannot, I have never envisioned that in my life. No, he, he, I used to see him, uh, not, not that often, but every once in a while I'd see him like walking his dog or like eating at a cafe. I saw him eating at a, what's that called? Le Pan Quotidien or whatever, mm-hmm. which again, you think Lou Reed is going to a chain yeah, of any sort. The, the guy from the Velvet Underground. So, but he, yeah, I've seen him in a sleeveless hoodie and shorts wow. and um, all sorts of things. But, and I probably also talked about this. Uh, the same goes for Elvis Costello, who I thought never was not Elvis Costello. Well, I've seen you mean Eric Costello? Oh, yes. We covered this. Yes. <laughs> Eric Costello. I forgot about that. Sometimes he's Eric you know, Costello. This goes back to, you know, when you were saying that, you know, do you ever feel like I, we were talking about having two careers, rock and roll and comedy. And you said, do you ever feel like you are a failure at both of you said you personally feel like at times you're a failure at both of those things. And I was pointing to you, uh, pointing out to you that, no, you know, I, I make myself feel like a success by virtue of a lot of the things such as Eric Costello <laughs> and Lou Reed wearing shorts or like going to look, look like we don't, we're not doing those things. No, like, you're you are rock and roll, Dave. And it's very important to know that you're not doing those things that, and then you know that I think Lou Reed has a house in the Hamptons. That's not rock and roll to me. I know lots of those now. Yeah. It's all, uh, so, so it's all perspective, but no, we were, you, you were kind enough to be a guest on the goddamn Dave Hill show or gosh, whatever we're calling it this past Monday. <laughs> and yeah, it was not. so great that I, I said, we need more Shanali on all platforms. Thank you. And, was so fun. uh, but yeah, I do. I do have those feelings because I think it's one of those things, and I I'm imagining you experience the same thing often. Is like when I feel like I guess I I realize that I'm respected in both fields. Yes, which is nice. Yes, but I I also have my own insecurities and the voice in my head, like. Um, you know, like if I'm doing a show that's primarily comedy or all comedy and they're like, Oh, do, are you bringing your guitar? I'll be like, no, why would I, why would I, even though sometimes I do, I'm like, no, why would I No, I'm a comedian. I can just sit and tell jokes on any of my guitar. What do you yeah. think is serious? And then when I do like a primarily music show and they're like, so you're going to tell some jokes tonight or whatever? I'm like, no, I'm going to yeah. rip some solos. I'm going to be the best guitar player here tonight. Totally. I'm just insecure. Whatever the scenario, I'll t- I take. But that goes, I think I managed to be offended in every scenario. <laughs> it, if it's possible. I think that's a very human trait I'm, that at every, in every situation to be, to be on edge and feel like, you're not appreciated in the way you want to be appreciated. I mean, 
that's 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 our lives right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, going go we we were we were talking about uh yeah, uh these times that we're in and well yeah. there's the pan- how how are you doing? This has been the I think that I would argue this is definitely the wildest uh most intense time of my adult life. Um yeah. just cuz I Maybe there were intense times as a kid, but I, did, I, I was certainly not tapped you know into I mean? any of it. <laughs> no, I think, I think you're right. We could not have imagined a more precarious, sort of vulnerable moment in our lives where we really have no idea. It, one of the things I always think is that at any moment, we could lose anyone we know in our lives. Like, it completely is a reality that, you know, anybody could get a phone call and say, so-and-so is not here. And that always has been a reality, but I, now it's more than ever something that we actually can feel. And that's, yeah, that's, I don't know. That's a crazy feeling. Now, do you, I do mean specifically to coronavirus? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, I assumed you did, but uh, <laughs> it's just the point where like, I'm just waiting. <laughs> like, I mean, I, there has I've to be a third never, thing. I, I haven't, I've had, you know, indirect relationships with people that have passed away, but I've definitely had friends who have been so sick that they thought they were going to die, that have been hospitalized, mm-hmm. uh, that have been told they possibly could die. I have definitely nonstop seen friends' parents have passed away of coronavirus mm-hmm. on social media. And it's, I mean, all of it is not something we could have ever known. That idea makes, seems like nothing's really that important in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. You know, like we were talking about work, art feels strangely insignificant. I know, it just, it's so like, um, and it's interesting that, you know, now I think this is what, week 400 that this, we've been in this weird, week i don't know yeah at least three months now yes at least it's like over 100 days i try to keep up with the days but we're at 100 something i lost track after like a month (laughs) it's crazy but like i i have different i feel like i've gone through different aside from my own like just freaking out about this and that like I feel like i've gone through different phases as an artist (laughs) during this time (laughs) And like through different as a fan of things. My face is literally changed. It's like every six hours. Like literally I was writing a song. I I was, I was writing notes more about like if my version of a journal sort of trying to figure out where I I was at. And then it went into the song that I've been trying to write about my relationship to my hometown Nashville. So these pages are like, very, very heady. And then all of a sudden it's really silly, dumb lyrics to a country song mm-hmm. in like the span of two hours. I became like this really great witty pop country song writer. And then I was also, I mean, in my, my version of being one of the greatest philosophers of all time, I did that in two hours. <laughs> I know, but it's so this I'm the same way. Like I'll go like, you know, like when John Prine died, I was like, well, 
someone has to take over. I guess I'll get I'll get after it and just I'll just uh, pick up where he left off. I mean, and I I don't I hate to even mention him in like passing like that because even like yeah, but it's just so crazy that it just seems like it, uh, ages ago that that happened. But yeah, and then I'll and then I'm like, oh, I should um, I should just be writing a novel about my time here in Ohio <laughs> and like and just the weird uh, my days here that are like. Uh, I, I ride my bike around. I borrowed a bike and I ride a bike around and I take pictures of houses that I enjoy. You absolutely and, should make this your next book. <laughs> Just and yes. yes, that that that's a great book right there. And the houses are like. Uh, yesterday was my first day getting busted. Take a um, picture. I got, you can see the photo on my Instagram. Oh, I want to see where you can see the woman and her dog coming out at the house, out of the house after me. <laughs> Cause what happens is I'll, I'll ride around. I'll ride like within like a two or three mile radius of where I'm staying. And I saw this house and I was like, I'm going to double back and take a picture of that house. And so I snapped one and I was like, I should have just taken off. And then I didn't. I was like, that wasn't the one. Then I'm going to take another one. And then the dog clocked me, I guess, started coming after me. Then the woman ran out of the house. And, you know, I, 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 my girlfriend told me, I, she's like, well, you don't look like anyone else in this area, really. Because my rock and roll, just my swagger. Yes. You know, my international superstar, the glow that emanates from me, even out riding a bike on in a t-shirt and track pants. True. She's like, you do you, not look like, yeah. she's like, you stick out. And so, like, you're going to weird Did people out. Did she say anything? Did she? Yeah. She, she's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, I, I, I was like, <laughs> I was just like, oh, I was just taking a picture of your house. <laughs> And she's like, and this is like in like pretty, you know, not quite like rural, suburban, you know, uh, like there's a demolition derby down the street. This is the kind of area I'm in. And like wing night is on. I noticed like this is where we're at in Ohio. Like wing, wing night is happening right now in the middle of, you know, while New York is like still you know phase one i guess wing night everything's on so oh my God. i'm so i she's like what are you doing i'm like I'm t i was just taking a picture of your house she's like why and i was like i think it's beautiful and and she <laughs> said don't you think that's weird and i said i said well no i i ride my bike and i take pictures of things that i think are beautiful and i think your house is beautiful so I wanted to take a picture. And I, and I said, don't you think your house is beautiful? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> she's like, and, uh, and she's like, well, do you live around here? Oh, my goodness. And I said, no, I live in New York, but I'm staying, you know, in this other town. And, uh, and then she's like, okay. And I was just like, thanks a lot. Love your house. And she went, oh back, my gosh. She went back inside, but she was truly just like, 
horrified by my action. I wish you had taken. I wish there this was recorded. Mm-hmm. I, I think you should do this more often. Like, just be ready. Have a recorder on so you can get the audio for this. Because a hundred percent of the time, someone's going to come out of the house to ask you what you're doing. Well, I try to be fast. Like I. Well, this is um. I, I haven't noticed her doing this. and Well, obviously, she's not doing it now, but I used to notice that Nikki Glaser would post on Instagram all these beautiful photos she was taking, like, on the subway and things like that. Like, just a great, uh, great eye. I mean, and I love these photos. I was like, how is she getting these photos? Like, she's she's framing up people sitting across from her. And I never yes. talked to her about this, but then it occurred to me, I was like, she's probably acting like she's taking a selfie and like yeah. going like this and then snapping the photo. And there you like, go. That has to be what she's doing. Maybe I think some people are really good at that. I'm not. And so I've tried to do that some of the time when I'm like, kind of like sitting there for too long, <laughs> framing up a house. Can I show you something that I started well, actually, it wasn't my prompting. Jasper came up with this idea. So we your husband, it, Jasper, for the it, listener, a, a brilliant it's called nurse. Jasper and Chanelli's book of social distance and isolation. Wow! And so we decided we would start a journal together. Well, I, I say we. He prompted it, and that's what's also unusual because he never initiates a creative sort of um, collaborative project with me so i was very excited oh no nice. um, it turned out i think he wrote in it like twice <laughs> and then i've written i've written you know probably it started out every day and then it it's gone down to like every two three weeks but now it's become jasper's coronavirus zingers and he doesn't <laughs> there's no part of him that's a part of this and um it's 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 gone on. <laughs> this is, and this it may, may make him sound like an asshole, but I'm just going to share this comment from yesterday. The zinger of art literally is like COVID zinger of the day. And there's just a few. Um, uh, most people, you know, Dave, you know my husband, Jasper. He's, he's very, he's a great guy. I he, love he's, Jasper. He's a, uh... I, I give them a very high rating across all uh, my complex rating system for humans. <laughs> he gets a high rating. I think he does. And, and you know what? He's, he's, he's a listener. He's, he, he is also relatively shy. Like I, if I asked him to speak on a Zoom camera, um, there's very few people where he'd feel comfortable speaking to. But yet, he's someone that those are the people that usually have the most profound things to say. And so, yeah, the quiet storm, right? So yesterday I was finding, I was sitting and I was getting a text and it's, and it was a girlfriend of mine sort of confessing on having a crush on one of my friends. And I was, I was excited, but it ends up this friend is gay. And um, so I had to, to let her know she had an idea. And so I told it to Jasper as one of my very good friends. And he just, he just sort of rolled, like he, he wasn't like, I was shocked. 
because it was so funny to find out a close friend is interested in your gay friend and she had no idea. How did she, had she met him? She's, she's met him in a small, like a very small encounter. She didn't, she didn't get it, have a real, she didn't. Yeah. And he's dated, he dated women for a long time. He is that kind of, Oh, okay. He's a, he's hot. Like everybody likes him. Right. Yeah. So, um, but Jasper just without like flinching and like rolled his eyes and he just goes, he, in, in his way, I wish he would read this for you, but it's me, not him. Tell her her best bet is to tape hair on her chest and work out her shoulders. <laughs> Jasper said that, Dave. Wow. Shots. It just got, wow. Shots. He rolled his eyes. He had so not even, it wasn't a thing. It was so mean. <laughs> Wow, that's good. Anyway, good to I, I know. <laughs> good to know who I've been dealing with all these years. Thank you, Dave. This is what I want because he likes you a lot. I want you to know who you're really talking to. I I like him a lot. Maybe you know when we're able to socialize norm normally, we could take our friendship. We could cut out the middle person. Yes. And that's that's always the you know I love when that happens. I'm usually yeah. the middle person being cut out in friendships. So, I, you know what I I think you guys really would appreciate each other even more if I wasn't there. So I think I'm happy to. I look forward to the day when you and I are hanging out without him, and I laugh to myself, <laughs> and you say, "What's so funny, Dave?" And I say, <laughs> "I was just laughing at something Jasper said to me." <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, awesome day. that's what i look forward to because you know i'm i'm very shy myself it takes me yeah i try i'm trying to i don't i'm trying to come up with the equation but i think it takes me a solid two years to trust anybody <laughs> like like, a, but not in a way that I think people are bad. In a way, like a dog is very slow to like. You know, when people are like, "Oh, your dog doesn't like me," you're like, "Well, give it time." Well, um, I'm gonna say, you know, every every time I've ever talked to you, we've discussed this. We've known each other for a long while now, but I always gotten to know you better throughout that time. And it is true, and especially in the comedy world, you're a more shy individual in settings but so many i mean so many you're a shy person that's not awkward i'm gonna just say that we know so many oh well, that's good guys that are are i wouldn't even say shy they just they isolate themselves because they really could care less about talking to people and they're they're awkward you know in that way mm -hmm. they're socially awkward in that way you always have a vibe a kind vibe oh thank which you which i appreciate well likewise I want the world to know, because I've played music for a long time, and you have too, that, you know, in, an, an, an incredible thing in this past year is that you played music with me. Oh, my gosh. That was, I, I probably ruined your music, but no. it was my, I had so much fun. It was such it. a treat, and it really meant so much to me. You were so generous and gracious, and, and you know, we played – we both played music for a while. We know how it works. Mm -hmm. We know how you can get personalities that come into a scenario, especially in a, in a band scenario. We're just weird. And they, 
egos. I've, I've definitely been uh, very astute at knowing who would or would not, as I've played music for so long, be good to play with. But I can say working with you was even better, like better than I ever expected. It's so much fun. Oh, thank you're, you. You're, uh, you're so great at what you do. And you're so, so aware of just talking. There's no ego. You like are ready to talk about things and just play. I love that. That was like a new depth of friendship that I oh, have. Oh, thank you. you. I, well, I was, yeah. I, well, for the listener, um, Shanali has a great band, Tigers and Monkeys. That I was you. honored to play a number of shows with. And I'm, once this is all over, I'm, you know, I'm, We're gonna do it. I'm under glass. I realize you have a, you have a main, a guy in the band already, but I am in break in case of emergency ready. It was, we were going to go to India together. It was like just before the lockdown, but all this crap started happening. I mean, it was, the idea was in the fall, um, but we're going to do it. We're going to go to a festival in India. I want that. I, I am desperately want to do that. Um, Dave, it's like but when I, uh, Robert Smith played with Susie and the Banshees for like, I a was couple exactly of what I was going to say, but That's um, so exactly <laughs> on point. Two of my favorites. Yeah. Yes. But, uh, no, I had so much fun because I was already a fan of the band. And this no. cool thing happened where, like, I it, I can't even articulate it, really, but in music, it, like, it, it, like, shifted in my brain, and I was enjoying it in a totally different way, even as a listener, not just as a oh, guy playing the so music. Like, I, like, at first I was like, I like this band, and this is, this is what it is to my brain. And then once I, like, got in and was, like, poking around in the forest or whatever, I was <laughs> like, oh, I, I get it in this other way now, too. Oh, that's so wonderful to hear which is a nice thing with music i think it's like yes. it's sort of like uh not not that you not that your music sounds like this but it's like i think when i realized like uh the ramones once i realized like oh they're just trying to be a girl group from the mm-hmm. 60s that's <laughs> all they've been doing this whole time which is i mean obviously they did more than that but like i remember like what like a revelation that was to me like when i was like oh there's this i didn't when i was what i was hearing as a teenager was one thing and then when you go when you like poke around you're like oh this is a totally there's this whole other thing happening that i didn't pick up on i love hearing that and you brought that to the rehearsal when we were rehearsing i just remember also jason being so appreciative and going wow this is so cool and um yeah you're the lack of ego as especially someone that's so talented i think that's how it works though the best musicians are people that are down to experiment and have no ego and like are able to talk about it you know a lot of times the ego uh, stops everybody from discovering new spaces and new things, you know? Yeah. But you were so down instead of, I definitely, when I first started playing, and especially being underestimated as a woman, um, 
people would be like, yeah, I'll play drums with you, you know? And meanwhile, I'd already been playing. We've been playing a lot of these songs for a while and they would tell us, I remember one guy told us how to set up. He was the first person that told us how to reposition all our instruments um, as we rehearse. And it was, you know how we all go into a room and we all have our amps just set up all around and we have yeah. the drums in a corner. No, he wanted us to set up like we were on stage. And I didn't, we, we were just like, no, we know how that, we can, we, we know how that works. But anyway, he was adamant and he came in to tell us women how this works. And we definitely were like, we don't want to play with you anymore. Because he, he wasn't gracious or kind. It was like, you don't know what you're doing. That happened was, a lot. Was he, ma was he mansplaining, as they said? Oh, yes. Yes. That's it. That happened a lot in the beginning. Um, it fortunately died down. The more we played, the more we had to prove ourselves. But yeah, a lot of mansplaining when I started playing music. It's it was yeah, funny. It's an and it came thing. from people that had not performed more than us or you know, made more records than us. It always came from someone that had probably never made a record, never played a rock show. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was never appreciated, never. We are the host of My Brother, My Brother, and Me, and now, nearly 10 years into our podcast, the secret can be revealed. All the clues are in place, and the world's greatest treasure hunt can now begin. Embedded in each episode of My Brother, My Brother, and Me is a micro-clue that will lead you to 14 precious gemstones all around this big, beautiful blue world of ours. So start coming through the episodes. Uh, let's say starting at episode 101 on. Yeah, the early episodes are pretty problematic, so there's no clues in those episodes no no not at all the better ones the good ones clues ahoy listen to every episode repeatedly in sequence laugh if you must but mainly get all the great clues my brother my brother and me it's an advice show kind of but a treasure hunt mainly anywhere you find podcasts or treasure maps my brother my brother and me the hunt is on Welcome back to Fireside Chat on KMAX. With me in studio to take your calls is the dopest duo on the West Coast, Oliver Wong and Morgan Rhodes. Go ahead, caller. Hey, uh, I'm looking for a music podcast that's insightful and thoughtful, but like also helps me discover artists and albums that I've never heard of. Yeah, man. Sounds like you need to listen to Heat Rocks every week. Myself and I'm Morgan Rhodes and my co-host here, Oliver Wong, talk to influential guests about a canonical album that has changed their lives. Guests like Moby, Open Mike Eagle, talk about albums by Prince, Joni Mitchell, and so much more. Yo, what's that show called again? Heat Rocks, deep dives into hot records. Every Thursday on Maximum Fun. It's interesting, like, uh, yeah, that, you know, I don't even know if this is how related this is, but I was amazed, like, when, when my band Valley Lodge toured Japan, it's, the the when you go to a club like in america or pretty much most of the world yeah europe it's just like a dude heavy situation when you walk into a club and and it's just like dudes who like some of them are very nice but you know the stereotype or the cliche is just that 
the sound guy or the just the people <laughs> that don't want to deal with you on any right. any level. And then in Japan, in my experience anyway, when you play like little rock clubs, it it's all women who are doing everything. Oh, oh wow. And I never everything. like they're they're just sound every they do like oh, that's they're, cool. they're like you know I did not know that. Yeah, it was like it was I don't I don't know what what like but I I was like, Oh, that's interesting. It's like the the yeah. exact opposite of anywhere else in the world I've played. Remember the I mean and that's that's completely the opposite of the way it is here. And when you find a female sound engineer, it's so refreshing. I mean, I've, everyone that I've had has been really talented and really friendly and supportive, right? Mm -hmm. And there are so many great sounds men in the world. But remember when we played at um, downstairs of uh, that Berlin, and that guy was such a jerk, oh. and you you had to like let him have it. That that oh, was a God. good example of. Of the opposite of what was you're, that when the guy wouldn't let you back into the green room to get the yes, that, in yeah well the in defense of the the sound man was very he was very cool. nice. he was a very nice guy so uh, if he's listening and we can only assume that he is he was very nice he was very nice very pleasant great but the yeah. guy the manager yeah he was a complete like something out of like a a like a like a, a 90s graphic novel of a <laughs> dickhead club manager like Peter Bag or Daniel Close if they did a comic about a dickhead club <laughs> manager this would it would be this guy it's true but i i have it on you know, because I have boots, as we, as of course we we all do. Um, I have boots on the ground, right? And uh, you know, I was well, easy for me. Have you told this before about this experience? Where I mean, for for those of you that probably not many of you think it's glamorous to be in a rock band, but here's the shit you have to deal with. So at the end of the night, and you're not getting paid that much. You just packed a club. It was packed all night. It Dave, was, Dave's band played, my band played, and, and, and Windbreaker, who has since Windbreaker. changed their name, they played. Um, and they're it was called packed. Roger that now. Oh, I've just. But learned. it was such a good show, and at the end of the night, they were. I mean, Dave was just wanting to get his guitar. <laughs> well, it was. It was like the guy. He, I've, I'm, I've since told he doesn't. I've, I've, I'm told he doesn't work there anymore. So, but he, yeah, he, he settled up with me, and he's like, oh, this was, you know, he was not chatty, buddy guy, but he was like, uh, this was good. We should do again. So I was like, yeah, that would be cool. And then I hung out cause I had a couple of friends there and we hung out as the club transitioned into fun rock night into douche disco night or whatever. And even though it turned out, um, my friend, miss guy was the DJ and he, he's great. Oh. And, uh, but that was just coincidence. And then, uh, 
so yeah, the, so the guy comes over the club manager and they had the room where we keep our stuff. And he's like, if you got anything in here, I'm going to lock it up. So I was like, okay, cool. And I took that as, you know, let's go. I grabbed my guitars and I got 20, 30 feet. And, uh, you know, the story, but for the listener, uh, and then no, I, everybody needs to know, I realized I left like an, my bag of stupid guitar stuff in um, in the room. And I was like, I was like, Oh shoot. Can you unlock that again? And he, I, you know, I left my bag in there. He's like, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll unlock it in a few minutes. I got stuff I have to do. And I was like, well, what uh, you were both, we were just in there like 30 seconds ago. Not even, not even. And why, why aren't you, I don't understand. And he's like, I got stuff to do and I'll, I'll unlock it. And why don't you meet me over there in five minutes? <laughs> Literally like the conversation has taken longer than it would have taken. And, uh, and I was just like, oh, and I'm with like my sister's friend is visiting from Australia and another <laughs> friend was with us. I can't remember. And, but so I was like, I, I, I'm not going to ruin their night by flipping out on someone in front of them. <laughs> so I was just like, I don't, and he was just like, yeah, I'll take care of him in five minutes. And he walked away. Yeah. He walked away. And I was like, you literally have the keys on you right now. And this, the door is 30 feet away. And so he, he's like, yeah, go wait over there. And, and it was this whole thing. And he finally, five minutes go by and he, he opened it and was like, you know, looking at the ground cause he didn't want it. And so I got my stuff and I, you know, I went off on him and, I love uh, it. and he, he kind of like, get out of here. And he, he actually shoved me. Oh God. yeah, that's right. And, but shove me in the way, like, you know, just, Get out uh, here. uh, but, Get out. but there was like, you know, there was like a big bouncer who could have whipped me around like a rag doll. And I was just like, <laughs> See, I'd love to hear his, I'd love to hear his version of the story where some like prima donna rock guy refuse to wait to get his guitar back or something. Oh, no, no. The, 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 I'm sure his version of the story is like about what a colossal asshole I am. <laughs> but it's not the, you know, and I, I'm sure I have I'm been, always on your side, Dave. So, but, oh, you know. yeah, I was, uh, just... it was one of those things where like, I kept retelling the story to people. But then you start to, re you know, it's like, was it's one of those stories, like in the retelling, like, it's not like a fun dinner story. It's kind of a story that's draining to the listener. <laughs> and like, it's draining. I apologize for making you tell it, but it, it no, is. No, no, but it, it's like, I would, I, by the second or third time I told it, I was like, I need to process this and I need to say it over and over, but I realize I'm stealing precious moments of people's lives by telling them this story <laughs> it's like telling someone about a bad experience at the post office it's like yeah. you everyone's like oh yeah that can suck and then i like hearing those stories from you specifically though because it's impossible for me to understand why anyone would be mean to you specifically <laughs> <laughs> so i've seen that but i have seen that firsthand a couple times that people just well, that's what I, that's what I, that's why I like it too, because I don't, there's no part of me that's envisioned Dave. I, I love talking to him because we share our frustration with, 
bullshit. It's really fun to talk about that. But in terms of him going off, uh, you know, I've never seen it. And to me, if he's really angry, then that's re- that's the real yeah, deal. Like that's totally. serious. So I that I love hearing about that. Well, you I'm can the, tell us more stories like that. Oh, I don't. Like. My problem is I don't really have like any middle ground. I have like this, and then I have flipping out. I don't really have like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have like an in between. So like. Uh, no, I think I'm. I think I'm maybe like that too. I think so. Like once you got you get get your you've you've made me get to this place where there's no no going back. Like, yeah, I think I'm like that. I guess I should ask Jasper. I don't. I'm. I'm not quite sure if my perspective is <laughs> the best. You know what? This morning we had a, a. I don't even know if it was a debate, but you know I'm from Nashville. Yes, and. I was reading, and I talked to you about this book. I'm I'm closer to the end of my rock and roll book with Lisa Robinson. Oh yes, I'm, and she's she's you got to get it. I'm gonna They're buy this back. right now. And she talks about going down south, and she's a New Yorker, and she talks about how she's never been there, and before going there, her whole image is you know that there's hillbillies and that no one's got teeth and that you know, it's the KKK, all this is part of the history of the South, but I always, always can't help but say like, I wonder if people understand that there are rednecks outside of New York city in New York state, like that, that, that these people exist everywhere. So anyway, we had this long drawn out conversation about how Southerners get defensive about the South and it's the brand. Jasper was like, being devil's advocate about about how we're stereotyped, but there's a reason, and and I was I was saying that that you're not hearing me, and that's a problem because I am just saying there are people that have Southern accents that are intellectuals that are super smart, and it you know this is something I'm sure you've had with Kathy before. Both of you, Chris, you probably had the same argument with. Your wife. Well, my wife's but, from New Mexico, so yeah, it's very similar. Like. <laughs> he's from he's from Oregon, so he was talking about Oregon. I was like, yeah, I have no clue. Like, yeah. I don't. I'm not. Northwest doesn't really resonate in my head about as anything, you know, outside of grunge, which that would be it. But um, but in the end, um, I in that moment I was like, I have no perspective, really, of who I am in that conversation like i think i'm listening and i think i'm hearing him and i think i'm not being um dismissive but perhaps i am perhaps i am um not the even killed human being i think (laughs) (laughs) yeah who knows but who cares i like me I like you too. So, Thank you. you know, you tell that Jasper. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, here's a question for you. Cause in that book, it's like, we're getting to this, you know, she's, she goes from this beginning for her. She was in the Andy Warhol sort of crew knows that crew. Then she's a television talking heads, Ramones. She's like in the beginning of, of, and the velvet underground, like the music, underground music scene in the sixties and 
New York City. And now she's like still writing about music and she's writing about Eminem and Lady Gaga. And she's, she even like a Trent Reznor article. And she's saying that these are the first musicians that she sort of discovers after they're become famous, you know? And I was thinking like, to me, if that's where you're at, like, you know, and this goes back to you being a successful rock and roller, Dave, and me too. <laughs> I love, I love when things go back there. Um, it's like if, if you know, we have this love of music, and we have this, like, we look into the past of the people that have influenced us and made us change the way we think about music and. And we listen to musicians now that we love and there's new music, but is, is, are people like Eminem and Lady Gaga going to be what people like 40 years from now actually use as a reference for like groundbreaking? I do like Eminem, so I can't, I, but is that like, what about now is going to make a difference in the music world 40 years? Oh, from like now? what artists? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. You know, I feel like I, I, don't. I, you know, it's interesting. I won't say who this sounds very name droppy, but then I'm not going to drop the actual name, which will yeah. remove it. But I'm friends with one of the biggest executives in, in the music industry. Woo, Lord. He's, he's the head of name drop, name drop. I, I can't say who it is because we discussed name dropping is good. I it's no good. the reason I can't is because what he said will Oh, okay. He he yeah he's it reflects poorly upon him. No, it won't. It won't reflect poorly on it'll make just because he's head of one of the biggest music companies uh in the history of music. Wow and currently but I was, I was, we were having this conversation, but you know what you and I are, what we're talking about. And, uh, and he said, yeah, there has not, I don't think there has been an artist since Nirvana that will, that will really be talking about in, wow. he's like, no, no one has come along and really done something yeah. in 30 years, basically. <laughs> Oh. He's based, so, so he's dismissed a lot of his own artists. And even, and even as someone that loves Nirvana, like when I listen to Nirvana now, I can't say it. I feel it like maybe listening to a Miles Davis album. Like I, I know they're two different things, but I don't hear it. I hear all the commercial grunge bands that came after it. Like I hear this thing that happened. I think the big yeah. thing is like good. there's no way Nirv a band like Nirvana would come out today and they'd be like a top, you know, like in the top five on the Billboard charts. Like you listen to their music now and it's like how was this was like top forty radio? And it, right you know. there you go. Yeah, but that was that was still. I remember at the time. I remember a couple years before it, and some. I can oh, I can say who it was. It was Steve Fallon, who was the man owner of uh, Maxwell's in Hoboken. Oh, okay. He was saying that he must have been saying this in like eighty eight or eighty nine or something. 
and I can't, I don't think he said it to me, but I think, so I think he said it to someone else we know, <laughs> but it was relayed to me that he had said this, but he said, he said all this music that, you know, these bands, you know, the bands that are playing at Maxwell, basically the alternative rock scene rock or whatever. Scene, yeah. He's like, that is going to be mainstream, huge music in a few short years. And I remember just being like, no, it's not. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. But he was right. Wow. You know, he basically predicted that it was going to be like that warrant and poison or whoever uh, was not going to be popular in, in a short, in short order. You know, I played a show where it was in Danbury, Connecticut, where Kit Winger did a, um, a solo set and my string broke on my guitar and who came to my rescue? Kip Winger. Mm -hmm. and he fixed my guitar string and I now have a whole new appreciation for Winger. I don't know if you already appreciated Winger. I'm not, I will say I'm not a fan of their music. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I have no interest in shitting on their music, but I, it's yeah, not I, my thing. You you should try it again. Well, I, I you know I, I changed my mind. Well, I, I kindness just changes a lot when I can hear I can hear the kindness in his music. Now. Well, this is the, the what I was gonna say. I have heard this about Kip Winger that he is a kind soul and a great guy. I have heard that really, and, and for me, that's all for for yeah for me to get on board with anything if someone's um kind yes i don't care i support their art if, i agree in the same way if someone's a dick i do <laughs> yeah. not there there are exceptions i have yeah i have seen people be total dicks but in a way that is so artful that <laughs> i still it makes me almost love them more because what like oasis do you do you feel that way about oasis what well, i do I do feel that way about Oasis because it, uh, that wasn't who I was thinking of, but yeah, I just, that's a, but it is so uh, masterful that like, that you it's, I, there's been time in the last year easily when I've just been like late at night go and go, I'll just like look up Noel Gallagher interviews on YouTube. The great. <laughs> greatest. And I'll, or Liam, Ga I'll be like, no, I'm going to see what Liam has to say. <laughs> I just watched the Michael Hutchins documentary, mm -hmm. the lead singer. Oh, of, what's that? Of what's that? In excess. It's on television. I mean, it's it's on. It's finally. I wanted to see this. I've been looking towards seeing this, and I can't say it's a great documentary, but but I love Michael Hutchins, so I was I I was emotionally invested, and in one of the scenes, like he either he's giving out an MTV award or a Grammy. And Oasis is the winner of that award. And um, I guess it's Liam, right? Is he the bigger? They're both, they both can be assholes. Liam's but, the more vocal dick. But yeah. I'm, so he, I mean, goes, he, he goes, a has-been should not be giving an award to a going-to-be. And, like, just takes it out of Michael Hutchinson's hand and then walks off. And, you know, this is probably pretty clearly not, not very much longer before he killed himself. You know what I mean? 
It's so sad. It's so sad. I mean, that sounds it's so mean. I would, it's hard. To, yeah, so that's, mean. that's that's so mean. But also, but then again, it's it's fun to watch. It's kind it's of amazing. <laughs> but I mean, the thing with like Oasis, like I hated them just because I was like, oh, these guys are dicks. I hate them. And then I remember being in a bar in Washington. I would tell you exactly where I was. I was in the fake Irish bar Fado in Washington. <laughs> D. Remember those? Do they still have those? I don't know. But the fake Irish pub in Washington, D.C., I was in this. And what's the story? Morning Glory came on front to back. And I was just like, all right, I need to let go of my hatred because this and it was like when it had come out and i was just yeah. like oh this is every moment of this record is super enjoyable i'm like i guess i have to not be bothered by i i need to appreciate the them being dicks as part of the performance because it's true it's so I, I have them i go back and forth i just i watch that to, i mean that's the one thing about this pandemic i had never seen so many documentaries you know and um the Oasis documentary that's... Oh, um, I've watched that, yeah. Is yeah. that good? And not... Worth watching. It's really good, yeah. Chris. It explains so much. You know, their dad was shitty to them. And it explains so much about why they are like they are. And even their relationship, like, they fight a lot. It's really good. And the mom is so so sweet. There's such a good documentary about The Damned that we watched recently. Oh, I haven't seen I that. I what it's called. It's on Amazon, but it's so... It's so great. Their history is so fascinating, and yeah, they're all such it's, characters. It's like just one of those really fun documentaries to watch. I'm gonna write that one down. That's I'm gonna what watch that. Is. You seen that one? No, no. But now I'm reminded. I there's so many things I need to watch. I told you the last time I talked to you to see the Twisted Sister one. Oh, I, I and it's it's the that I, I heard that one's great. That one's about <laughs> them. It's their time before. They broke through, right? When they're just out yes, there. They were they were one of the biggest bands in New York. You got to see. Okay, I have it to is- watch that. And I I was sent the Brainiac documentary, which I'm now kicking oh, wow. myself. I've not seen it yet. And no, they made oh, one on them. I'm gonna watch that tonight. You got to. I don't even know, Chris, if I want you to keep it in the thing that I didn't watch it yet. Can you send it to I me? was <laughs> I need to look to see what the link or if I've been sworn to oh, okay. <laughs> Um, I love and then there's an, another one that's really good is Murder in the Front Row uh, by Adam Dubin. And it's, it's um, I actually did a commercial for it. I love the movie so much. But it's about, it's about the thrash, Bay Area thrash scene. Ah. It's like Metallica, Exodus, Testaments, you know, Slayer, like the, just the base of California scene and even if you're not into metal or that scene at all it's so like i feel like you would appreciate as a musician because like it has that whole thing the whole reason when you're like i want to get in a band and be in a van and go play it has it it makes you go like i want to go draw a flyer and yeah um, love it you know that that whole feeling that um I mean, think about, we're like the last generation of musicians that went to Kinko's and cut, cut things up and taped them. And I mean, I don't know if 
people are, I mean, you can use your computer now, but it was so oh, fun yeah. to be in a Kinko's with the other bands making flyers. Oh yeah. Like I still have, someone posted on Facebook yesterday, like, I mean, I mean, I still hand draw t-shirts and stuff all the time, but just like they, it was like this t-shirt that I had drawn and like, I remember like, oh, we, I drew it, but I didn't know how to make it into a t-shirt and i had to like go and get a friend to like then put our band name on it and and cool. like just yeah that whole thing and like yeah going and like yeah so innocent making stickers at kinko's did you guys ever thinking, try to make iron on like do an iron on t-shirt design i wish i did i always loved iron ons yeah. i would just get the letters i wished i had an iron on that did yeah. they even they used to have this store in the East Village that had oh, just, just T-shirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Oh, Dave. I mean, this, the, we, I'm sure this, this your show is almost over. But I, I got. I don't know. Did I tell you about meeting Sean Cassidy? Did I give you? No, that? you really buried the lead. Yeah, that, <laughs> this is so awesome. So, and you know, meanwhile, Jasper really has no idea who Sean Cassidy is. But I was like explaining like he was one of the first teen beat you know tiger beat you know cover guys like that was like him and scott Bayo and um leave carrot and um david cass even his brother you know they were the heartthrobs like the teeny boppers so we're at a wedding and then um one of our friends holly schlesinger who you know mm -hmm. and she was like um, we were at, we were outside of the White Hotel, and then we hear that he's upstairs, and she gets a text like, "Oh, we just, I was just with um, Scott Bayo interviewing him. He's in the same hotel. You guys should hang, go to a bar, or whatever." Holly doesn't really. She just, for some reason, she knew I would care. Mm-hmm. Chanel, Sean Cassidy's in this bar. Wait, so was, Sean Cassidy or Scott Bayo? Sean Cassidy. Okay, you said Scott Bayo, and I was like... Yeah, Scott Bayo is another... I mean, I said Scott Bayo is one of the team beat, but Sean Oh, yeah, Cassidy. yeah. Okay, I got... I got so, Scott... So, in this... Like, I was freaking out, like a little kid. I was like... But I was trying to be cool. And I go, no, no, you got you got to get him to meet us. We got to meet. And she she goes, oh, he's he's down with the night. He's not coming out. I was like, no, we got to We got to meet him. We got to meet him. And uh, so, finally, he said, okay... And then she was busy, so I went upstairs with Jasper to this bar, and nobody's there, and he's just at the bar. And I mean, I was like, this is, my sister's first 45 was do, him covering, did you run, run, run? Oh, that was, yeah. Like, I was like, this is like the little, like, we were little kids. The first time we even just, just thought about a boy. This is like Sean Cassidy. So he's sitting there, and Jasper's like, is that him? And I go, yeah. We ended up. He asked us to go sit at the table with him. Holly showed up. He was the nicest. He quit being a, he, he was telling us about, he acted like we didn't know who he was. And I just acted like I just had heard him. Mm -hmm. There's no part of me. You know, I was just like, yeah, I, I know that you're, you're a pop star. I did not, I wanted him to relate to us, but he stopped playing music at like 24 because he started so young mm -hmm. and he was such a success he was like at the Astrodome it was one of his last shows 
and he was talking about his life and how, um, I mean, he's a TV writer and producer for some TV show now. He doesn't, it's so crazy and surreal. He was one of the nicest. He lives in the same neighborhood as like David Crosby and um, Bernie. Um, what's the guy who writes with Elton John? Oh, Topin. Yes. Like he's talked to me and I was like, that's just in California. Um, but anyway, it was like a dream come true. It was, it was a pre-adolescence dream come true. That's, that's amazing. So I would have cool. like, I actually have like from my very young, you know, like six years old or something when you're just like, yeah, I, like no, that. I was like, no, I was just consuming any music yeah. and I had that record born late that he did. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, this is a pop star. Like, I hadn't fully, I didn't really latch onto, like, I heard Led Zeppelin when I was seven. Right. And then that was like a major, just Breakthrough. like, okay, this is, this is what I'm in. But before yeah. that, I was just like, anything, I was just like, whatever. So when I was like six years old, I, I don't even know how we had this record, whether I bought it. I probably did. And uh, it was in my house. And there was like a right, a fan, the fan club to Sean yes. Cassidy. Yeah. So yeah. I got like, you know, a piece of paper and I was like, dear Sean Cassidy, you know. Are you hearing this, Jasper? That's crazy. And I wrote, <laughs> I wrote this letter and I didn't finish it. and one of the like kids from the neighborhood was over the house and my older sister found the letter and was laughing at it and read it to like this other kid and he stole the letter and then showed it to all the other kids in the neighborhood. Hey, this isn't a bit, this is real. This is 100% real. Oh my God. And it was just so this letter saying like, I think you're great. I want to be like you when I grow up and oh. and the whole all the kids in the neighborhood mocked me. <gasps> Just oh, so mercilessly. It, it was like the your relationship with Sean Cassidy that you I mean that's so intense. It, it was got, it was easily the biggest trauma of my you know <laughs> of being like six years old or however. <laughs> Just everyone was like, because uh, it was like you were, you know, it was like everyone's into sports. Like no one was like, I want to. Yeah, no one. I mean, I want to yeah. do this other thing. Yeah, because I knew, like, from that age, I was like, I want, you know, I want to. Yeah, I want to rock. Well, well, that's what I'm saying. That's again in terms of feeling like success. This goes back to your therapy sessions and <laughs> <laughs> the that. This, that little bit that just happened unexpectedly, I can tell you a hundred percent that when I was little and I dreamed of meeting Sean Cassidy and like, you know, I knew at that point that that would never happen. He was so huge. He was such a, you know, he was one of the biggest stars of that time. And I remember then going, okay, I wish I could meet someone like Sean Cassidy, but it'll never happen. And when those dreams come true even as 
a middle-aged woman, it becomes, it's everything. It's like, oh, this is why I'm alive. <laughs> oh my gosh. That, you it, know. It's, it's success. That is success. I think, I think that all the time, just like, yeah, the, when things come full circle in that way. Yeah. Your 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 relationship with Chili, that's insane. That's like so Oh, don't get me don't get me started. Yeah, we, we probably shouldn't. We were having our we were having our John Taylor Chili um, oh. back and forth yesterday. That was fun. Oh yeah. That's well <laughs> we should quit. we're over an hour now, so I don't, I don't want I don't want Chris to have to edit too much. No, um, I'm with you. Chris, you're the best. And also like I I, I need to um, have you, if you'll agree to it, to come back soon. Cause I was, was hoping yeah. to get, you know, you know, we, we didn't even touch on, you know, all the things going on in the world right now. I know. In and fact, even though, I mean, even though we, you know, this has been all killer, no filler, but we didn't, it's, we, and you might need to talk about those things. In fact, I'm and just to like insert it into this, this, um, episode because it is important. This is another book that I just got. You can't see, but you probably see it. It's a man that is so horrifically being lynched yeah. and it's called without sanctuary. And it is such a, a, a life changing. It's a history that most people in this country don't see and witness, but it's a photo book with a lot of, different essays and the man who put this together is named James Allen and it's called without sanctuary lynching photography in America. Not to, I, I feel like it shouldn't be taken that I'm trying to bum anyone out. I think it's just important that we have an idea of why we are where we're at mm -hmm. and that this history was not very long ago where people would no. go to lynching as if it was a sporting event. That's the stuff, man. I remember hearing about that stuff in, in middle school, and that, it just horrified me. Those kinds of photos were just like, how did yeah. this happen? And How did this happen? And it took 20, it. 20 years for this man to put this together because so many people have these photos hidden now, and they don't want it you know, to be attached to their legacy. But it's important... <laughs> Important. So that's where we'll talk about next time. <laughs> no, we, we you'll, well, we'll figure out a time for you to come back soon. Yeah. And we'll, we'll, okay. we'll get into it. Uh, I would love to, I, I really would. It would be okay. my honor. I'll, I will, I will hit you up. Uh, but I also thank you for this opportunity to just talk about, you know, other things that you and I enjoy. Yeah. Talking. Yeah. We, we, we touched on a lot of amazing stuff and you met <laughs> Sean Cassidy, which is, uh, I mean, I was freaking out. I'll send you the pic. Oh, please. Pic. I oh, can't wait. This is amazing. Maybe, <laughs> maybe if you send it, maybe we can make that the, uh, the photo for this episode. Oh my God. That'd be out. cool. Yeah. He told me I, I can't, we can't post it. Oh, okay. Fair he enough. We, we need to respect his wishes. Yes. But you know, you can, you, we can talk about them. Okay. Well, thank you love so much. You. Love you guys. You too. Bye, all right. Bye. Have a great day. And there you have it. Our delightful conversation with comedian, musician, actress, activist, and so much more, Shanali Bomek. 
um, get Googling or just, you know, go straight to wherever you get music and check out Tigers and Monkeys. They're a great band. And she does also so many other wonderful things. And uh, she's the best, as you are well aware from everything you've just listened to. Um, let's head off into the podcasting sunset, Chris. Let's do it. Um, we should let, why don't we, you know, as a, a you know, I, I love to always leave on a self-promotional note. Uh, I still, despite, you know, I feel weird promoting anything, but hey, get my, uh, get my new stand-up album, Pride of Cleveland, available everywhere, basically. And if you're in, outside of North America, you can go to Next Up Comedy, uh, just Google that, and, and they, you can watch my new special, also called The Pride of Cleveland. Uh, in North America, you know, let's be honest, uh, people don't get me in North America, so it's just not available here yet. But in the rest of the world, it is. And, uh, you know, get the new Witch Tain album, of course. I feel and like all the best things in life are popular outside of your home country. I pride myself on the, the on at least hoping that's true. Um, and anyway, everyone stay safe, healthy, and, uh, get out there and help bring positive change about in the world. And, uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Dave. And thank you, Maximum Fun. You're going to put in all the Maximum Fun shenanigans. Um, Thank you, Maximum Fun. And thank you for listening. Uh, Hey, did I forget to say, you can always go to patreon.com forward slash Dave Hill and support this podcast and help us keep gas in the tank. And I'll be honest, sometimes we buy a cheese plate with this money. It's happened. (laughs) Um, All right. Until next time, I'm Dave Hill, and it wouldn't kill me to take a shower. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.